Listener supported. WNYC Studios. A co-presentation of WNYC Studios and Night Vale presents. You are listening to the Orbiting Human Circus of the Air. This is the sound of a janitor's life at the top of the Eiffel Tower. Here it is again. Don't worry, your device is not broken. There isn't any. Sound. Not to speak of. You know in movies when somebody says it's quiet, it's too quiet. (laughs) At night in these heavens there is not so much as a harp. Perhaps this is why the janitor spends so much time eavesdropping. On Coco's music when he plays it in the ticket booth, and sometimes on his conversations. Here's one the janitor overheard just yesterday. Coco was chatting with a ticket booth clerk who was getting off duty as the tower closed for the night. It gets uncomfortable. That does sound really hard. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Lowry. It really means a lot to me. My pleasure. The janitor had never heard Coco talk to the ticket booth clerk before, but there was something about the ticket booth clerk's voice that the janitor felt was nice to listen to. Unfortunately, Coco had told the ticket booth clerk about their recent run-in and how he's always afraid of upsetting the janitor by saying or doing the wrong thing. And this was not very nice to listen to. First thing I said to him for real, it was leave me alone. The janitor pulls the blankets over his head. He's in his janitor's closet, in his cot. The janitor's doing a lot of sleeping these days. Maybe there's a world record he could go for. I'm not sleeping, I'm thinking. Of working, perhaps? I think there's something I have to do. Yes! Clean! It's Mr. Chenard. Shh! The janitor tries not to move or breathe. Mr. Chenard goes away. This isn't the first time he's been by. Oh, it's getting cold. The janitor takes a guilty glance at the wood-burning stove in his closet. Mr. Chenard had put it there for him, an act of generosity from some time ago, that perhaps the janitor's forgotten? I am putting this in right here. It will heat up this room like an oven. You will never be cold again. It is 200 years old, but it is the best stuff. It's beautiful. Look at it, Julien. Look, regard, regard, Julien. Regard this stuff. This stuff is beautiful. Julien, give me the hammer. Julien, that's not a hammer. Yes, it was very kind of Mr. Chenard to put the stove in, as it was for him to attempt to teach the janitor how to use it and as it was for Coco to also attempt to teach him how to use it. And if any of you would like to attempt to teach him how to use it, he can be found at the Eiffel Tower, Paris, France, near the top. He'll be the one hiding under the covers, not doing any work. I wouldn't be a help. Everything I've tried to clean in my entire life has ended up dirtier. I'm not kidding. But you can learn. Saved by the bell. Outside, the janitor can hear the Eiffel Tower payphone ringing. This is a very rare occurrence. Mr. Chenard's answering. It's his boss on the telephone. The janitor strains to listen. We'll go closer. 
as your ears are probably not as good as the janitor's. No, the, the janitor exists. Really, you, you should see him. He is a sight for sore eyes. He is beautiful. I'll, I'll invite you all over for dinner one night with the family, how's huh, that? And get him to clean something, like your glasses. Uh, that will show you, okay? Of course I have hired someone. No one's ever seen him. Coco has seen him. No, Coco is not senile. Maybe he shouldn't have brought up Coco. Okay, okay. No, 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 no. I, 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 may, I may have fibbed uh, a little about his age. <laughs> Just a couple of decades. No, 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 no. He, he, he will not fall. He, he will not fall. He, he was a tightrope walker when he was young. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I know. I said he was a, a jazz guitarist. Yes, yes, yes. In Harlem, in, in he, he played the jazz guitar... On the tightrope. <laughs> Vaudeville in those days, you had to, to do multiple things. <laughs> oh, wait, but there's more. Yeah. He, he used to do the bow and arrow, and he eat the bullseye. Very professional. They, they wanted him to, to, to be a Green Beret assassin. But he said, no, I want to play guitar with all the greats. Mm-hmm. But anyway, no, no, his sight, his eyesight, the best eyesight in the world. He, he, he can see four kilometers better than a bunny rabbit. Mm-hmm. Or, or a lemming. Mm-hmm. Oui, 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 madame. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the holiday is coming. Yes, of course I know it's, it's almost Wynne's daughter. I have a children, you know. I, I have a calendar. The tower will be ready, I promise you. I promise you a million, billion times. I... Hello? Back in the janitor's closet. Is it really holiday time already? Oh my god. This is the most important time of year for the janitor and the Eiffel Tower. Le Fille du Vent, or in layman's terms, Wind's Daughter, is the French holiday commemorating love. Comparable to our Valentine's Day, but being French, it's much more complex, an occasion for ennui, and goes on for six weeks. It also commemorates all kinds of love, in addition to the romantic. There is a knock at the janitor's door, and it reminds him of another knock from long, long ago. We go to the janitor's childhood. It's Wynne's daughter. He has just become aware of and begun to idolize his great-grandfather. Something large is being left at the door of the house. There's no one else home, only him. Normally, he isn't allowed to touch packages when they come. But this... It's for me. Oh my god. The box is enormous. He can barely move it. He pulls it inside, drags it through the hole of the hallway into the living room. He hasn't much time. If his parents come home, they won't let him have it. He formulates a plan. He must open it now, hide its contents, and throw the box away quickly. He runs into the kitchen and grabs a knife to open the box. janitor is frantic. He's got to hide it while there's still time. The box's contents are in pieces that require assembly. He hasn't a moment to see what they really are. He must think quickly. He runs downstairs. He has an intimate knowledge of all the boxes in the basement that haven't been opened for years. He opens them up now, hides their contents in various places, and replaces them with the contents of his gift. 
He is carpering up. Could this be his stepfather coming home already? Where's the tape? Where did I put the tape? He finds it. Frantically taping the boxes back up, he puts them back in their places. He made it. That's his stepfather coming through the front door now. Calm down, Julian. It isn't until the next day that he is able to assemble the gift and see what his great-grandfather has sent. He begins to unpack it. It is a Wynne's daughter tradition that the eldest member of a family gives the youngest a present. When the eldest judges the youngest old enough to understand the present that they wish to give, the present represents something the eldest has found to love about the world, and it is a sort of game. The present is a hint or a clue, and the youngest must guess from it what it is the eldest has found to love. And if the youngest guesses correctly, the eldest must provide the youngest some version of that thing. The janitor has put the gift together and steps back. Oh my God. It is a tin model of the entire city of Paris with a giant amusement park at its center. And overlooking all of this is the Eiffel Tower. He plugs it in. All of the lights in the windows and on the street lamps light up. He finds a place to pour in water, to fill the Seine, and there are boats to float upon it. This becomes the janitor's treasure. He assembles it every day when he gets home from school, looking at it for a little while, then taking it apart before his parents get home. It is part of the tradition that the youngest shows their gift to a friend who may help them find the clues hidden within it. Being the janitor, he chose the only person he really knew, his bully. And strangely enough, he came. You know how weird this is, right? Like, you inviting me here? The janitor doesn't answer. He never answers. But he unpacks the tin Paris and assembles it. And Alari looks somewhat interested. But much more so when the janitor explains that should they hear his stepfather's car, they must take it apart and hide it as quickly as possible. My stepfather comes, we have to hide it, and we have to hide. We have to hide? What's he gonna do? The janitor explained what his stepfather usually did, and Alari listened with even greater interest, and then said something that would change the janitor's life forever. You should definitely run away. And then they heard a car pull up. Oh. Take, take that part. Alari takes command. Take this. Go! Expertly leading the janitor. Okay, come on! Come on, over here! Breathe. Okay. All right. Uh, good. Put it behind here. Behind here. And then Alari opens the small basement window and begins crawling through it. Go, go, come on. But Julian stands frozen on the spot and does not follow. Come through here. What's wrong with you? Once through, Alari turns and reaches back into the window and grabbing the janitor by the shoulders begins pulling him come through on. it. Come on. But once the janitor is through, he freezes again. The janitor's stepfather is coming around from the front of the house. You're gonna let Mutant Man catch you? Alari pulls at Julian. He's coming. He's seen me. He'll kill me. You're such a wuss. And the janitor watches Alari run off. Turning the corner, the janitor's stepfather tripped, injuring his back and finding himself in the hospital. He did not return for two days. We will return in just a moment.
Listen to the full version of Laughs Last Laughed and other music from the Orbiting Human Circus being released by Merge Records throughout the season on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Bandcamp, and more. If you want to help us make the show, truly help us make the show, become a friend of the Orbiting Human Circus on Patreon today at patreon.com slash orbitinghumancircus. That's patreon.com slash orbitinghumancircus. We return to find the janitor in his cot where he is startled out of his reverie by the knocking that caused it. Mr. Chenard is outside his door. Julia, Julia, please, I beg you. Uh, okay, I've cleaned up a bit around the tower, but uh, I don't have time. I, I've got to go home. Uh, Julia, uh, the school children, they make up the decorations for, for Wynne's daughter for the Eiffel Tower every year. It's very important. They are downstairs in the giant crate, Julia. If you can hear me, can you please, can you hang them up for me, Julia, please? The holiday is coming soon, and, and we've got to get some up, okay, Julien? Okay, please, Julien, please. Really. Okay. Mr. Chenard goes off. The janitor's rising. He's... he's getting out of bed. Oh, come on. I do want to help. He's gone to the closet door. He's waiting until he's sure that Mr. Chenard is gone. He, he goes out. Twenty minutes later, we find him on the upper observation deck, with his arms full of strings of white paper decorations. So, are you going to put them on the observation deck first? I'm going to put them up there. But you can't scale the tower with your arms full of decorations. I mean, think about how beautiful it'll look. Come on. The janitor steps over the railing and begins climbing out and up towards the top of the tower. Once up, he works diligently climbing from girder to girder, stringing them up, until, slowly, it begins to take form. It looks beautiful. It does look beautiful. Suddenly, there's a clap of thunder much too close. Out of nowhere, icy cold rain pours out of the sky. The decorations in his hands are getting tangled up. He slips! He's lost his footing! He's hanging on by the string of decorations! He's regained his footing. He tries to untangle the decorations, but he can't do it! It's too dangerous! He's got to climb down! He's getting blown around. He's made the observation deck. He jumps down, runs to his closet, and slams the door behind him. The janitor's shoes are soaked, his pants, his socks, everything. He's never been so cold in his entire life. He can't stop shivering. The janitor peels off his wet clothing and, covering himself with what dry things he has, climbs into his cot and makes it wet, too. It's just so cold... He shoots a pathetic look at his stove. I have no idea how to do it. He has to try, wrapping himself in his covers and shivering as he climbs off his bed down to his knees. He opens the stove door. Janitor's shivering too hard. He can't breathe. You're having a panic attack. Calm down. Calm down. Mr. Chenard left you supplies. Look, there are some matches. 
He lights a bit of newspaper, places it in, and moves the coals around. And as he does so, the coals striking the metal side make a beautiful sound that captures his attention. He stirs the coals some more, purposefully banging them against the side of the stove, trying to make that sound again. And he does. This time two chords sound. Forgetting all about the fire, the janitor stirs the coals more and more. Until... stares into the mouth of the stove from which the music comes. And the music keeps going without him. Because the music is real. And the janitor takes a nice deep breath. You see, it was, it was so exactly like something he'd imagined. At first he was sure he was imagining it. And then he falls back and he seeks no explanation. He can imagine none other than what he was experiencing was a miracle. And as the music suddenly stopped and he listened to the silence it left behind it, he felt as if his whole little room had grown warm. And indeed it had. The stove was lit. He closes his eyes. And now he is asleep. In his dream, he sees stagehands Jacques and Francois with crew carpenter Margot hanging decorations in the lobby of the broadcast ballroom, hurrying to finish before the crowd lets out. You, you know, that's lovely. that looks nice, actually. I gotta say, I'm proud of us. It's coming together faster than I thought it would. But, uh... What's that thing in the corner? Oh, we can take that down. Yeah, no, it, it, it kind of looks nice. Alright. Uh oh. Sounds like the crowd's going to be clearing out. So. Well, that'll have to do. Hey, Chuck, what are you doing over there by the popcorn? Hey, what? They're going to throw it out. It's fine. What are you. Come on. Oh my god, it's so good though. Oh. Really? Mm. Come on, I can't move it by myself. Oh my god. Just get over here. It'll only take a minute. We haven't got time. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh. That's delicious. Oh, good. Oh, here's a bite popcorn. What Why? are Why? you on about? What is the deal? Oh, my God. Oh. Who made this? That's marvelous. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. It's so good. Why is this so good? My guys, guys, what are you doing? They're going to come in here. Nothing. Just come over here. Try this. That's wonderful. Just try one kernel. It's going to change your life. Oh, 
my God. I can't put my finger oh on my it, but... Oh, my God. It's magical. Hey, mm. what y'all doing? It's incredible. People getting ready to come out. I do. Just have a little bit of popcorn. Have some popcorn. Oh, yes, yes. This is serious. Oh. Hey, what are you doing? Nothing. There's a ladder. There's a ladder here. You're eating popcorn. We have two minutes. There's a crowd comes out. Huh? Two minutes. What is that? I can finish the whole top in two minutes. It smells so good. Just try it, Patricia. Try it. Oh, this is so good. It does smell good. Yeah, try it. Oh. That is the best popcorn I've ever had. Yeah, uh-huh. That is the most. Uh-huh. Oh, mm-hmm. It's amazing. That is so oh. Oh. I can't hear it. It feels like dreams in my mouth. Yeah, it feels mm-hmm. like a dream in my mouth. Okay. Okay, you know what? I think they made it. We're going to take this for us. We're going to take it for us. Put it in your satchel, huh? Yeah. Why? Put it in your satchel. Because we have to eat it, though. But we're going to take it. Can we take it with us? We can't eat in front of the audience. I'm taking it. Put it here. Carry it, though. Okay. Come on, No, no, no. Come on, Jeff. Come on, Hurry up. Come on. Let's make a break for it. Yeah. The Orbiting Human Circus and Naughty Till New Year's is a co-production of WNYC Studios and Night Vale Presents. Episode 7 featured Drew Callender, John Cameron Mitchell, Susanna Flood, David Barlow, Dan Solomon, Mickey Braden, Nicholas Carter, Jesse Shelton, Harrison Beckwith, Jonah Mussolino, Andy Lauer, Walter Lowry, and Julian Coster. It was written and directed by Julian and further workshopped with the cast and crew of The Orbiting Human Circus and produced by Christy Gressman with musical composition and arrangement by Thomas Hughes and music by The Music Tapes. Lead editor Grant Stewart, editor Janelle Yee, and assistant editors Emily Marinoff and Jeff Tobias with Julian. Sound design by Jonathan Siri Mose, Foley by John Ringhofer, and lathe cutting by Steve Espinola. Engineering by Vincent Cascione, and additional production and mixing by Will Stanton. For more information and full credits, go to orbitinghumancircus.com.